0: and enjoy the podcast. All right and welcome back to the Black Psychologist Podcast. I am one half of your host Dr. Kyle Osborne. I appreciate everybody being here and of course I'm not here by myself. I'm here with the styling, the profiling, the limousine riding, (laughs) jet flying, Dr. Jason Colvin. how are you, you good terrible. brother?
1: <laughs> oh, you terrible man! You terrible. So you got this shirt on. See, you got jokes. You know what I mean. <laughs> I like that shirt, oh, bro. You Appreciate know? that, bro. What's good with you?
0: Chilling, yeah, man. What's up with you,
1: man?
0: I'm good, yeah. man. I'm good. You know, like again, we at the top of the week again. So, uh, you know, here we are, getting ready to do our thing, man. But everything is good. How's everything on your
1: side? I don't know, man. You threw me off with that limousine. <laughs> <laughs> you threw me off with that very crazy there you go yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> no, i'm good man I, i'm 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 blessed man i'm chilling you know um obviously we're gonna get into it uh in terms of uh you know we, we we got some uh some unfortunate news this weekend so we're gonna get into it so you know my my radio been going crazy um but other than that you know i'm good
0: yeah absolutely uh before we do get into it um absolutely thank you for everybody listening um and watching on youtube so like again just to update in addition to us um on the youtube channel we thank everybody for commenting and watching and listening um and subscribing we're also on all of the um podcast networks the iheart radios we're at the um spotify we're at the google podcast we're at the uh the itunes podcast so just make sure that you tune in episodes update uh weekly as we're pushing them out so we appreciate everybody listening Uh, But, you know, first and foremost, we definitely, unfortunately, had a loss um, in our hip hop community and the the hip hop culture. Uh, We lost a great one. Uh, DMX, a.k.a. Earl Simmons, uh, unfortunately, passed away uh, this past Friday. And, um, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to his family. uh, First and foremost, I can't imagine you know what they're experiencing and, and what they're they're going through right now because it's definitely a, a tough loss for them uh so i, I want to send my condolences out to their family and his friends and anybody uh he was connected to um but yeah it was a it was a tough loss man
1: yeah definitely man um x you know one of my favorites you know a, a hip hop heavyweight legend you know yonkers new york you know um rough riders all that just like a, a staple when it comes to you know not even not even being funny but in terms of like my childhood and just growth you know I remember seeing him live i believe that i believe that summer jam or um, howard homecoming or probably both yeah. you know um, so you know just um a legend man um, you talk about classic albums like it's dark and hell is hot flash with my flesh you know like
0: Two, yeah, uh, two albums two albums in one
1: year. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> yeah. back in the day, like we and um like we talking about hip hop heavyweights, you know what I mean? Um and it's, it's it's crazy because what I was thinking about today when when, when kind of just you know his music been all over the radio, I was thinking about ODB too. You know what yeah. I mean? And I because I think when ODB died, I think he was about 40, yeah, you know, he was young. if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, yeah he
1: was yeah. young. Um and the reason why I was thinking about that is because I was watching the Wu Tang saga thing, you know, on on Hulu. And then I had right before the pandemic hit, I saw Wu Tang in the city. And,
0: okay, you know, right. they
1: have yeah, and they have his son performing with them now. Like, yeah, a little dirty, part part kind of, right? Yeah, which is which is cool because 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 yeah. he takes it seriously, like he you know mannerisms everything. But not to get off topic, is just. In terms of you know substance use, you know this is a just an exam another example of somebody that we saw struggle in public. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know like Master P has been very vocal lately about you know there needs to be a rap council and this and that. And I, I have my views on that, but I understand the, the the sentiment of what he's saying in terms of you know ser- some type of services or not services, but you know what I mean. Some type of availability of platform for people to reach out and offer somebody support, or for them to reach out for support. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But again, it's just obviously it's sad. But what did you think? Uh, like you know, how did I don't want to say how did he impact you? Obviously, you know we you know we're the same generation, but you know, no, it's well,
0: it's um, the comparison that you mentioned between him and old old dirty. I think is appropriate for the reason that when you think of both of them, you think of energy. Right. Right, right right you think of wild energy like you mentioned seeing them at summer jam and at, and uh and at homecoming i had the opportunity to see them um but the hard night life tour like you remember the uh the backstage okay. documentary that okay. they did You're right right so i yeah so i saw them like right across the bridge it was the, it was called the tweeter center it's now that Camden came to But i saw them um on the hard night life tour with jay-z and, and meff and everybody and man like listen like you want to talk about intense shows and just right, the right, right. energy that this he, he the, that X brought. Yeah, like he left it all out there on the stage, man. And like, you know, when he was up there, like you, you, you were in it. Like, he's probably one of the best shows that I've ever seen. Right, and right. um, yeah, I mean, he he was it, like he was raw, he was talented, he he was a showman. He I mean, he he embodied so much. Um, and you know, just get, I'm happy that I got an opportunity to actually see him in person. And, and you're right, man, it, it's, you know, he, you know, was very upfront and very, you know what I mean? Honest about his battles with addiction, right? right? It was something that he was very forthcoming about. And and he acknowledged that He acknowledged that this was an ongoing thing. And even I think there were certain certain time frames when he talked about it, like in various interviews, that he acknowledged that, like, listen, I'm not doing well in this battle. Like, I'm currently right using, or like this is a battle I'm gonna have to deal with. He said, even when I'm clean, I'm still losing, like I'm still fighting it. And so I felt like that was one. I, I appreciated his honesty because he personified, he he laid it out really quite frankly like listen this is an ongoing addiction this This is how serious it is for me and i appreciated that and yeah i i i see the importance of you know especially just with the rap community right like we talked about a a few episodes ago about the mental health and hip hop however like again they it is it's a specialized population because it's not like a lot of them have You know, along with their rap careers or with their their uh, their deals, they're not they're not getting insurance, right? They're not getting all these other different things that say you or I or maybe your typical or normal person who has a nine to five. All right, well, I got this insurance. I can go get. I can go see somebody, right? So it's a little different. They're on the go. They have a lot of different moving pieces and a lot of different factors, and that not that's not making an excuse. Um, but it's just so many different things to take in consideration. A lot of things are getting thrown at them. They have a lot of accessibility to a lot of different vices, drugs, sex, all types of things, right? Stress performing city to city. So, um, I mean, I can't imagine what that's like, right? I can't imagine having all that thrown at you at one particular time. So, you know, just kind of seeing his, his battle with addiction kind of play out in the public. You
1: know, I mean, along those lines, see that I was and again, I was one thing like and I, I look at like certain artists and I I look at kind of like now at my age, I look at like why I like some of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And Tupac is my favorite rap artist, you know, above and beyond anybody. Right. For a bunch of different reasons I we ain't going to get into. But DMX, I, the reason why I love Tupac was was because of the transparency he offered you. Right highs and lows wins and losses like Mm -hmm. to a point where the vulnerability is what i'm really talking about right yeah um and x was kind of the same way like that whole i mean he talked about it you know but that whole slipping song was about addiction you know what i mean and not and and i don't mean like not saying there's a good part but he he was he was really illustrating the fall of it you Mm -hmm. know what i mean um and it's, it's like I just watched the interview a couple of days where he was talking about, you know, an older person, like, you know, basically, you know, kind of telling him he was smoking weed and he was smoking, you know, weed mixed with crack, mixed with coke, you know, when he was 14 years old. So we talking about that young, you know what I mean, mixed with the mental health issues and whatever was going on in his life, you know, you're talking about people that for him to for him to overcome all that you know, and make it to where he had, he did make it, you know, it's an amazing thing, you know, but it's also a double-edged sword, right, because we've seen a lot of artists, you know, make it to the peak, you know, and they just can't get over that hump of those demons, right, of addiction. Um, Um, So, it's just one of those things, but but I, again, like, I admire him because, you know, again, he wasn't hiding. You know, he wasn't one of these people that you know, they said he had exhaustion every every four months and he was at Passions in California, right? No disrespect to them, but right. that's where all the rich people go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They check in there for a week and then, you know, they're not tired anymore all of a sudden. But he was struggling in public, you know, um, and trying to go to rehab and do the hard work and answering those questions. So kind of using his life as a platform for other people to learn from. So you got to admire that in addition to the work ethic and
0: all the other things, you know? Um, yeah, you got to, you yeah. got to admire it. You got to respect his, his candid and you, you look at it also, and you touched on it a little bit was the trauma that he talks about, right? right? If you talk about like you said, it plays out in the lyrics of Slipping. He's talked about it in multiple interviews. They did. And he talked about it in the, um, the, uh, the Rough Riders um, documentary that came out on BET a few months ago. I mean, and and it made me kind of think because he he had a long history of not only just being like locked up when he was young, but and being in group homes, right? Right. right. His mom, you know, abandoned him for that real young age. So right. you're looking at he's going through that, living with his grandma, living in multiple relatives' houses, going to group homes, and he was getting into a lot of fights and things and that's that's trauma right that's abandonment like so he had a lot of these issues thrusted upon him he got exposed to a lot of different chaos and trauma and all these different types of situation at a young age and unfortunately you know you see it i've seen it how a lot of these kids you know they're not given really a good chance from the very beginning given their circumstances so given what he's been through like, that's why I even looked at him even more as a strong individual because he's an outlier, right? What he was able to accomplish despite everything that he was exposed to, like, he was able to overcome that and still at the same time, he's still battling these things, which makes perfect sense because what did he go through, right? So, like, for him to be able to go through that and, and – you know, get to the point where he was, I think hopefully people are able to learn, you know, from what he experienced, the way it played out and and understand that, like, listen, you know, it. this is not a game, right? It's really not serious. I mean, he he's a strong dude for him to get to where he was, but not everybody does. There are a lot of people that went through what he went through and didn't have those same, didn't have the same turnout.
1: Well, I mean, it's a good lesson about trauma for people right. right because see this is the thing like and you talked about institutions and all those things and it's like you know you know some of us work with child welfare you know services we've worked with them in the past and the thing is like people the one thing people don't when people think about trauma most of the time they think about like you know being shot or being robbed or being an accident and all of that and that's and that's i understand that you know but Most of the people, a lot of the people that we treat and that we're talking about, it's with situations like what he's talking about is developmental trauma. So we're talking about like when you rupture somebody's attachments to their primary caregiver that early in life Mm -hmm. and they're out of home in a placement. I don't care if it's grandma. I don't care if it's a group home. That impacts them in a way that. You don't necessarily heal from that, you know what I mean, because those attachments are, ru- are ruptured and you don't get that emotional t- attunement from a caregiver that normal that not normal people, but that a normal quote unquote environment would provide you with. So everything is gonna, your idea of being protected, your idea of safety is gonna change. Your idea of how, how you interact with people in your interpersonal relationships is all gonna be affected by that. How you soothe yourself, right? How do you handle disappointment? This is, people don't just, become explosive and angry and violent for no reason, right? When we look back at them and they all have these histories, there's a reason why, because when you take somebody out of their home that early and you rupture their attachments and they're not allowed to have that nurturing, emotional attunement that most of us have had, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of problems. You know what I mean? So... So yeah, that's, it's, that's the, it's, the basis, you know? Yeah,
0: it's trauma-informed behavior, right? It's a situation where, and he said it himself, I saw him, um, I was watching the Drink Champs interview that he did a few months ago, which I'm happy he did, you know, before he, um, you know, he left us, was that he said, he said, listen, when I got this money, he said, listen, I'm blowing through He's like, because, man, he's like, all of a sudden I didn't have, I had nothing, to now all of a sudden I have everything. And he was like, listen, <clears throat> This is my chance. He said, I'm going to go do a whole bunch of things, given this money, he said, because I don't know when it's going to get snatched from me. Right. And so that just correlates with what you said. when You're going from place to place to place. You don't have stability. Right. So right. You're, you're getting exposed to all these different environments. You're getting all these people coming in and out of your life, all these different things. Right. It's like, look, I'm going to get what I can get and I'm going to do what I can do with what I have. I'm going to keep it going. Right. But that's sure. what it looks impulsive and it looks, you know, crazy or whatever other different turns one of people want to throw around when they're looking at it from the outside in but just like you said when you look at his history and you look at what he didn't have and then when he did have something that was quickly removed or taken from him yeah you know it makes a lot more sense when you're looking and you're conceptualizing it from that framework this is like okay it makes sense so you know again like he what he was accomplish, given what he was experienced i mean is, is nothing short than miraculous
1: I was just checking something before I said it. That's why I was looking over there. I, was, I wanted to check something before I said it. But again, like what you was talking about, right? And i he's talked about having bipolar disorder before. Mm-hmm. It's fairly well documented from what I see, right? Yeah. And it's like, again, you got substance abuse issues. You got bipolar disorder. You got this trauma from from childhood you know what i mean so all the stuff that you're talking about again <laughs> he has money right the impulsivity right he got 17 kids right yeah how many times DMX remember you don't remember what they took away? i think they took away his license or something in arizona because uh, he had like he multiple. had like 30 tickets or something crazy Yeah,
0: multiple so, runners and things
1: right so you you see a person you know who is who is struggling you know but but again when you wrap it in that lifestyle, it's a rap. It's a rap star getting caught driving fast. It's a rap star with a lot of women. Right. It's a rap star blowing through a lot of money. Right. But you unwrap all of that surface. You know what I mean? Wrapping paper, for lack of a better term. If it wasn't a rapper, these would be classic signs of some something else. Right. right. So, um, well, all I'm saying is, and and we would look at the addiction as okay. He's dulling. He might be, perhaps, dulling some of the symptoms of bipolar disorder. Less, not the not the mania. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's dulling this, those symptoms with the alcohol and what you know, whatever else he's using to manage them. You know what I mean? But and then it all fits together. You know, but you see a person that's struggling is the bottom line. I'm not trying to diagnose him because he's not my patient. But these are things that are public that we've seen, right? So you put all of those things in a bowl together bipolar disorder addiction and unlimited funds yeah yeah I mean you you're gonna put you you know you, you just wait for the explosion right. you know what I mean so um equation but it's you know it's one that we've seen a lot right I mean if we look at in the world of rock music we've seen it over and over and over again you know what I mean um so i don't know man you know? yeah it's, it's um
0: again it, it it was tough um you know uh you know the 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 fan in me and the in the clinician were both always rooting for x when you would see you hear different about r- different run-ins and his his bouts in rehab or in treatment was always rooting for him Uh, For him to recover and for him to, um, you know, get the help that he needed, because unfortunately, I don't feel like I mean, again, I don't know him personally. I don't know all of his treatment history, but, you know, um, you know, it didn't seem like he was getting, I think the treatment that was, you know, that he deserves, given who he is and the person that he is. Because he, he, he seemed to be just a genuinely good, loyal person, right, to his friends, his family and people. You, you always root for people, right? You always want to see people that are struggling with these things, especially given their background and their history. You want to see them get well, right? You want to see them get to a place where they're doing well, you know, psychologically. And you know um unfortunately again there are so many different reports that have come out of what caused the heart attack and so on and so forth and you know you got you got to really be careful about what what sources is, is accurate and what's not um i'm just you know i'm happy we got an opportunity you know to to hear his music man he definitely left an impact um on on the world not just hip hop but just overall he was an icon and uh again you know, thoughts and prayers go out to his family and anyone that he's, uh, you know, he had dealings with and any people that he's touched. And uh, we'll see, you know, as the upcoming information comes out. But the dude was an icon, man. So, um, you know, he lives on through his music. So, you know, we continue to, to, to rock out to that X, you know.
1: Definitely, definitely. That's, I think that's a good place to lead on that one. You know, so staying with the substance
0: abuse, um, again, you know, COVID uh is the most salient thing that that's that's going on because it's something that we're living with. So, um, an article came across that that jumped off the page for me, and it talked about uh, since we're about a you know a little over a year into this pandemic so far, and an article came across saying that mm-hmm. since last spring, since the coronavirus. Forced shutdowns and ushered in stress and isolation and a a, you know total financial upheaval. There has been a twenty percent increase in fatal drug and substance abuse overdoses. So the numbers were it's been eighty one thousand deaths in the past twelve months. That's the highest that it's been in any one U.S. single year. Eighty one thousand. What's in? Eighty one thousand. What's in twelve months of? Yep one thousand deaths. What are you thoughts
1: about? That? That's, I mean, they when I read it, it was the highest number recorded in a single year, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. 81,000 people. That's that's I mean, when you start breaking it down by month, two by people. But I mean, um it, it's just an enormous number, you know. Um, and then when they were saying ER business up 45% in the pandemic, that I put a little bit more because the doctor's offices might not be as accessible, um, but it's just crazy because, you know, in a time of the pandemic, we know, you know, people experiencing depression, stress, you know, we know just from liquor sales and marijuana sales, you know, that substance use, you know, legal substance use is up, right? So individuals are self-medicating or you know recreationally using whatever you want to call it, Um, but and then we see this number. So you know there could be a relationship there, Um, but I just think it's crazy that with all of this going on, you got the stress, isolation, you know people experiencing uh, depression, anxiety. You got the increase in the substance use, and then you got programs shutting down. Right. You know all at the same time. Um, that was kind of the part of the the article that made me think because, because everything else, it kind of made sense, you know, but then when they started talking about, okay, AA programs are shutting down, you know, um, that, that was, that was crazy to me because it's physical space, you know, um, or just because like they couldn't accommodate people out. People got to be left outside or just Mm -hmm. programs getting cut. Like that is one of those things where it's like, you you can understand it. Not saying I, I want that to happen, but you see stores closing all types of. So you can understand it, but unless somebody tells you, you look at that as an essential service. At least me, that would that would never really close. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. That that was kind of what stood out for me. What about you?
0: Yeah, because you know what you don't you tend not to think about the intangibles, right? Or to, or or the ancillary things when you when they were saying like all these offices and things were shutting down, right. Like you said, sure. you only think about um, medical offices. So people aren't able to go in and, and see, see their physician one-on-one, but you know, like in our line of work, you know, you have support services, you got support resources. So when you have support groups, or you got AA or NA, you're right. Like these are places where, okay in the medical office you can switch they have the capability to go virtual right so they Mm -hmm. can something that they've already been working on kind of slowly but surely covid kind of just sped that up
1: Right, right
0: most aa and most na don't work like that that's not their framework so now now since you got that situation it's like okay now treatment is probably just ceased to exist or just stopped abruptly so all those support and those things that people were counting on to get them through the day because you have some people that are hitting two meetings a day right right and And that's
1: that's how they structure their day
0: exactly right and we're not saying that you know support groups or or uh, aa meetings and na we're not saying that that's the same thing as treatment but it's a hell of a lot beneficial support that people are counting on Right, okay. especially when you're thinking about you know people that are, are battling heroin addiction, right? The methadone clinics, right? So now you can't have as many people in in the in the clinic or in the office due to spacing and all these other different things. So those people aren't getting their treatment. So if they're not getting their, their methadone or they're not getting their suboxin or what have you, yeah, you're these all these issues are going to start to you know to take place. So it's like you have two two health issues co- combined right you already have the epidemic of the the heroin epidemic and the, and the substance abuse now throw in the the you know covet 19 right and so now you got a whole bunch of things and you know and it was just you know things got intertwined and unfortunately I felt like and, and, and you know the the article mentioned this also but yeah I think I feel like the the heroin epidemic or the substance use epidemic took a backseat to COVID, which I understand. Right. I mean, understandably so. However, again, it impacted it in such a way where I think a lot of people didn't kind of really think about those
1: things. I mean, listen, that's an interesting point that you kind of brought up because just kind of looking back on my experience, you know, with a lot of individuals, you know, going through those issues in that population is like, the people that are committed like to their like treatment and to their recovery mm-hmm. they, they do hit those meetings daily and, and, and weekly and it's like they structure their days around them and unconsciously or consciously you know they may be going to that meeting so that they don't go to a bar or a liquor store or to a club or to their friend's house or that. so I get it you know what I mean um, and 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 I and what you were saying you know, kind of made me just think about like, you know, that saying like one day at a time, you know what I mean? So it's like when you got people that are that vulnerable, they don't have a month, a week, a year to wait for for services. You know what I mean? Because if they can't find that support, you know, they, their own history will tell you that they'll, they'll find it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I had a question for you, though, because you got, um, you know, more experience, way more experience than me, than me with that population um what you think about virtual therapy like they was talking about the effectiveness of it so what you think of it in terms Um, of that population
0: i think it's i think it's good um you're talking like for individual i think it's i think it works you know i've you know being a part of a private practice i've been able to participate in it um and it works um i think it's convenient for both parties as opposed to you know because you never know anyone's situation where they got to get to an appointment well i mean with
1: that with that population
0: with that population um if they have the resources i feel like that's maybe more the question right like i don't want to paint the addiction or people that are experiencing uh substance use i don't want to paint them with a a broad brush Uh, Mm um but some of them depending on their ses may not have you know the resources. You know i mean okay. we, we, we expect everybody to have like a smartphone or different things but not everybody does right like if we're thinking about the population in in kensington right that's that's a like in, in, in camden like that that's a lower SES population they may not have the resources to do a virtual so that's that's, that's kind of my concern where they may not have the opportunity or the resources to do so right to continue their treatment I think it's it's a plus because okay now they don't have to worry about how am I going to get to this appointment. So it's it's convenient in that sense where they can do it from their own their house or the car or wherever they're able to get reception or service. My only concern is will they do they have the resources to do so? Right? Do they have the the technology to do so? I mean, most do, I would imagine. But like again, if you go into these areas where a lot of the epidemic is taking place, like I said, Kent, Kensington, Camden. Not everybody does, you know. A lot of people are on a fixed income. A lot of people are on disability, so they're they're trying to make a little bit. You know, they're trying to make a lot with with a little bit. So, um, if they have the resources to do so, I think it works for them, you know. But if not, um, it may not be. And unfortunately. Um, we were just talking about it, like we mentioned with DMX, is the accessibility right? So, I think that's something that also contributes, right? Like you said, if someone doesn't have a meeting, right, because it's that sense of community, so that's the bigger part. Where I don't know if a lot of AAs were able to kind of adapt into the sense where we can do virtual meetings, maybe some can, maybe in certain neighborhoods, right. But not all of them are able to say, hey, well, we can either meet outside or we can do virtual, just kind of given the, uh, the thing where it's it's anonymous, right? So you can't go around maybe necessarily sharing emails and different things to kind of have that happen. So, but, you know, it's available, like, especially like in Jersey, you know, when everything else was shutting down, you know, what was essential that was open, quote unquote, liquor store. The liquor store that was open. <laughs> Right, the liquor stores are open, and when I mean these things were packed, these things were packed, right? Yeah, man. So you know, you have people, like you said, they have a ability boredom. If they can't drink at the bar, then let me go, go get this, right? And like you said, if people, their history tells them that that they don't have that community, they don't have a sponsor, they don't have, they're not able to reach their their therapists or clinician. Unfortunately, they may resort and fall back or relapse on what is open.
1: We're going to fall back on old habits.
0: Right. And so, yeah, I mean, then people experiment. Like even the working class, um, you know, are going to experiment with stuff, right? Whether it be liquor or whether it be a different drug. If you're at home and you're isolated, you know, and you're not able. It's like I'm used to drinking or using this. Let me experiment with this. Let me go on some harder liquor than this. Just because you have time and availability.
1: Yeah, man. Boredom, man. That's what they say. Idle hands, right?
0: That's true. So um I'm 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 hoping with uh a lot of you know the vaccines rolling out that um a lot of places are opening up. That's where I'm more hoping that the, the establishments that start to reopen or are, are the right. treatment centers, right? I'm hoping that they're able to get folks in because eighty one thousand is a lot, man. That's that's a lot in one year.
1: Well hopefully they are because I mean lately. I mean, they've been trying, I mean, the same way we've been trying in terms of adjusting. So mm. some of them I know have been trying to do stuff by phone. Right. And, you know, um, boom and this and that. And again, it's, again, it's, there's limited effectiveness. The same way it's limited effectiveness. It's with all of the therapies doing virtually because you're not, you know, but at the end of the day, I think it's really just about if you talk to the clinicians, I mean, me included, I don't think it's really not saying I don't think it's about treatment, but I think it's more more so about continuity of care right now, right. you know, and just kind of like keeping those lines of communication open until we can get back to normal and trying to, you know, spot emergencies. You know, that's That's, that's really the best we can do right now. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I feel like if, if someone's able to get virtual, especially for this population, because like you said, it's consistency, right? It's continuity. And you mentioned it earlier. They go by one day at a time. Well, with COVID, everything was thrown off, right? It was uncertainty. You didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. You didn't know what it was going to look like. So for someone or, or a population of people that are like really, you know, focused or, or need, need that structure, because when chaos was going, this is when things went off the rails for them. So if they are able to get a clinician, you know, every week, every couple of days or so, whether it be virtual or whether it be by phone, and that helps that brings them some form of structure and that support that they need. I'm all with it, man.
1: All right. All right. So the next article um, we got is from well and good, you know, um, it's about, uh, you know, relationships, something we all kind of go through Um, this one specifically is like how to stop ruminating after a breakup, you know? So we've all experienced a breakup. I know I, I've experienced one. I know you you probably experienced well, you probably been doing the breaking up, you know, in your life. Hey, you know hey, I mean? bro. <laughs> hey, listen, man.
0: Listen. <laughs> but I
1: I'll take that one. I've experienced a breakup or two. You know so what have I, mean? I, bro. Um, so serious on a serious note, they were kind of just talking about the repetitive thoughts that come along with it, right? Right. Being on the end of a on the on the end of a breakup, I guess, where you weren't the one expecting it. Right. Mm-hmm. So just talking about thinking about that person and you know, not being able to get that person off your mind. And they were just talking about like your brain and how when you when you get to focusing on something, your brain will like replay things, especially things that kind of like hurt you or bother you, disappoint you, frustrate you, um, and you know how it's a it's somewhat of a survival mechanism because you know things that hurt us, we think about them so that they they can't hurt us in the future, right? Right. Um, but we also know that it can become maladaptive if we start ruminating about that person or we start ruminating about certain things. Right. Um, so they were just kind of talking about, you know, some of the problems associated with that is, you know, that's, it's another person, right? So the person breaks up with you and the reason why you kind of feel so vulnerable and, and hurt or whatever words you want to, you know, subscribe to it is because, you know, you, you, you can't control, kind of that person's movements, behaviors, thoughts, you know. Um and you don't have access to that to them either, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that lack of control and vulnerability is kind of what sets the stage for spinning people out of control. So, um I mean, I've no I've seen people go through bad breakups, you know what I mean? So um depending on, you know, how you how you handle that is kind of the most important part. So that's part of what the article was talking about too just how you can kind of handle a breakup um, and to stop thinking about that person. So what did you think about the article before we get into the tips?
0: Yeah. So I, I like the fact that one, I mean, we've all, like you said, we've all experienced it on, on some level or to some extent. And yeah, like that's the most frustrating part of a breakup, right? Is that the thought process or the the ruminating or, or the repetitive thoughts that continue to run through your mind. Yes. And what I liked about um, the early part of the article is that it talked about when it, it normalizes it. Right. So it says it's, this is typical. Right. It's frustrating to go through that process, but it's a typical response to an event. Right. Like your minds, our minds naturally go into and try to ruminate and think about issues that they can't understand or that they it right. can't comprehend. So it's like like why did my partner break up with me? Why did my partner cheat on me? Why did my partner why don't they like me? Wh- whatever the case may be, right? So absolutely your mind is going to go into that and and it can in like the the article said it, it it can result from anxiety, it can result from from trauma. Um it's like it, it wants, like you said to keep replaying so it won't happen again, right? For the future. Right. So Um, I think that was really key that it brings up like, yeah, breakup involves two people, right? It's two parties. So you have a situation where you have your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and then you have other thoughts, feelings, and behaviors of the other person that you you can't control them. And you don't know what their thought process is. Right. And that's the thing that drives you fucking crazy is that you see what I mean? Like, yo, why, why doesn't this person see it the way that I see it?
1: (laughs) That's what's going on. and, And again, why don't they see it the way you see it, right? Because at some point in that person's mind, they decided that that was it. At the end of the day, it'd be cut and dry, right? They right. decided that, that that was it, right? And of course you have the disappointment that people have to deal with. But I think even more than a disappointment, is the unanswered questions that people have, right? And I think one of the issues that... It, people have is you know and I I, I kind of had more I, I think when I was younger um is that like you personalize it all the time right mm-hmm. the tendency yeah. is to personalize it right so it's like like it's about you you know what I mean so what did you do what don't you have what they have what does he got you know what mm-hmm. I mean when in reality the person they might have just dumped yeah. you I mean who knows <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. but I think the tendency is to personalize it right and we've all gone through stages where we've grown apart from people right and it, and it's not necessarily easy to explain right and how how i like to explain it is like listen the things that i wanted in a female or partner in high school it was different when i was 17 than the things i want now right. you know what i mean fault buddy and i'm not saying can grow old with your sweetheart and grow old together but you know a lot of people they grow up and they change and it and, and what they want changes you know what i mean so um i only bring that to back to say you know a lot of times people personalize breakups when you know it, it might not necessarily be all about you all the time you know what i mean
0: yeah and in addition to what you're saying it, I think it it also brings up a lot of residual from what maybe someone experienced in previous relationships or what they experienced in the past. Maybe it is, right? core core beliefs or other different things of that nature where it's like this person dumped me. Oh, that must mean I'm worthless. Right. It must mean that I'm unwanted. I'm unloved. It brings up a lot of those other different, you know, negative thoughts that people have about themselves. And it just, it reinforces those thoughts where like, like you mentioned, you don't have access to the other person. So the other person or the other party could just be like, look, they're just in a whole different thought process or, or whatever in their life. But like you said, you take it personal and it's like, okay, there's, there's a flaw. There's a damage effect with me right? It had to be something that I did. I'm not good enough. I'm not all these other different negative, you know, assessments and evaluations unfairly on yourself. And this is how, again, the thoughts and the why, right? Like the the big one is like the why, why is this happening? What, you know, and that, and then it just, it just goes on from there. You just go down a dark hole and just unravel
1: from there. But see, this is the thing, right? It's all about perspective and I'm not I'm not trying to make light of this situation or anybody getting dumped or break, broken up with, but for a lot of people, right? What's the culmination of relationships and all that for a lot, for a lot of people in this, in this country or culture, what's the culmination to you of a relationship?
0: I mean, that that value, that sense of, of belonging.
1: Nah, I mean like, what's the top, like what's the mountain top of the mountain? Oh, when what you, get like, to- you mean like marriage and stuff? Boom, marriage is at the top of the mountain, right? Right. And and the majority of people in this country don't practice polygamy, right? Mm. And I'm not saying I'm an advocate for it. So which means people are gonna have one partner, right? So why would logical people think that the majority of people that they're gonna date, they're gonna end up with? If you're gonna marry one person, that means that majority of your relationships are gonna what fail, right? Right. So, logic dating experiences are gonna be experiences, right? right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I may sound people may say I sound callous, but that's a, that's a fact. For most people, if you're lucky, you're gonna have one relationship that that lasts, and you're gonna get married to that person. Which means all of the other relationships did what? They fail. So, I think a lot of times individuals put might put too much into one individual relationship. Not not saying that you that you have one foot in, one foot out, but when you go work at a job, you don't necessarily go to the job and be like, "Yo, the first job I get is going to be the last job I have." <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, now nah, you're right because because it's a fact, bro. You yeah. don't go to. You don't go to the pizza store and you'd be like, Yeah, this pizza is good. I'm gonna eat this pizza for the rest of my life. That's not a fact. You don't do that. You understand? Yeah. So why? You, you, so again, people lose that perspective. If we were talking to our children or nieces and nephews, and they were in their 20s or teens, and they were telling, talking to us, like, yeah, I want to be with this person for the rest of our life, and their eyes was big, what would you tell them? You'd be like, enjoy. your your relationship i know that it's nice but you're gonna you're gonna hit them with that old old wise wisdom and you're gonna be like five years from now baby you might have met a whole bunch of other people other people yeah you know so i think again i think sometimes people this is my humble opinion but i think sometimes people you know put a little too much you know into it you know
0: well, you know, unfortunately, in relationships, logic kind of goes out the window, right? <laughs> we're, not, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not exactly right. operating. We're not, we're not operating right. in our wise mind, right. mind, are we? like <laughs> not until you get you older, said, right? Everything I just said, we, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> right
1: you
0: right.
1: Right, like because it's, what's, it's what's like important. it's not. It's like you're you right.
0: said, like you got to get that experience, right? You have to get that experience of all these other different relationships that unfortunately some of them you're going to get wrapped up in because you're not thinking about it logically you're just thinking about it with your emotional mind but by the time you're a little older you've you've hopefully gone through different relationships and things now you're operating in your wise mind where you're like okay you know you're looking at it from both senses as opposed to like you know because that's one of the things that most people you know either in either personally or even like you know, clients that I've worked with is that they're just like they put, like you said, so much emphasis or so much investment and time into a relationship, and when it ends, it's so difficult because they're just like, well, I, I it's all for nothing. I did this, and I, I put so much time in here. Like, yeah, you you did, and it, it's not all for nothing. You learned something from it. But like you said, it's why, why do they want me? We had so much and they get so much, they get so attached to the time aspect and that they were in love and all these different things that now, like you said, they have no idea what that other person's thought process is and where they're at. And now they're, they're hung up on that. They're hung up on, on the why part, right? right? Why am I this? Why am I that? So, you know, I, I, absolutely. Like we're not, you know, the logic, the logic goes out the window. Rational goes completely out the window. And so when I was looking at um some of the tips, you know, I was I was I was on board for for the majority of them. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to run through it says how to stop ruminating over a breakup. And the first one was to normalize your experience. So, it says to acknowledge and thank your mind for wanting to solve and understand and remind yourself that this experience is normal. I'm with that because absolutely. You it, it's like practicing that acceptance pr- approach, right? Where it's like, yeah, you should just what you've gone through, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's it's okay for to understand that, like you you're gonna have some ruminating thoughts, you're gonna have some existing feelings and things. So I I am with this where it's like normalize your experience in the sense of accepting that, yeah, you're gonna feel or you're gonna have some of these uncomfortable thoughts.
1: And accept the fact that's what I just said, and I know it's I served it a little bit cold, but listen, <laughs> it's what I just said. It's like you gotta realize you're probably not the only person that's been broken up with this month. right? So, I mean, it's, that's normalizing the experience, right? It, because It, is. it sounds, it may sound foul coming from me, but that's what your brother, your sister, your girlfriend, you know, is going to tell you. They're going to be like, well, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, the next one, the next tip, they said, reframe and change the thought, right? Um, you know, that's semi-effective, especially when you when your feelings are hurt. That's mm-hmm. gonna be, it's kind of hard to make yourself think like, oh, you know, he or she lost out on a good thing, you know, especially if they broke up with you. So that's a little bit, you know.
0: I feel like with this one they should put a little like a little asterisk or maybe parentheses where it's like change your thoughts it's very different from controlling your thoughts right because I feel like that's what a lot of people try to do they try to control their thoughts um because they're uncomfortable they're ruminating they're they're repetitive and that's the main so thing, yeah and the main thing that I always tell clients is that you can't control your thoughts like you you can't there's no way we you know your thoughts are always going if there's a white cup sitting on the table and i tell you don't think about the white cup what are you going to think about you're going to think about the white cup that's what happens right Right. right. And when people are like ah, i don't i don't want to think about her i don't want to i hate i listen you're going to have these thoughts right so i get the point as like changing your thoughts is very different than controlling your thoughts and so going like shifting your thoughts is the easiest way to do that is Distracting yourself, right? With helps other different healthy activities, right? You know, watching TV, a movie, going to work out, hanging with, you know, your friends, other different things that'll, you know, distract you from the relationship or what you were thinking about. So I think, you know, that in that sense of changing your thoughts and not trying to control your thoughts, because if if you're trying to control your thoughts, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. It's going
1: to be real difficult for you. One thing on this list that I agree with is kind of when they said, like, decide how you want to change, right? Like, how you want to come out of it, right. right? So I guess one thing I can say is, you know, every time I've had one of those experiences, it's like, like you said, whether it's working out, whether it's picking up a new hobby, whether it's and, – and, of course, in the back of your mind, it's probably, probably part of it is like, yo <laughs> – you Know, I'm gonna make myself better than that
0: better, better than yeah. you. You know, yeah, it's mean? time, it's time know? to hit the gym. This is You're what
1: right. we're about to do, and the next time you see me, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah. You the,
0: know? the glow up is real. I got you, don't you worry about it,
1: <laughs> you know? <laughs> but <laughs> because, in that's a person in, in, in kind of internally rebuilding their self-confidence, right? Mm. If, if you're working out hard you like, I'm going to do five more pushups, you know, not because you're going to go stand outside the person's house, but because, you know, you, you're trying to make it, <laughs> you're trying to improve your self-image, you know what I mean? <laughs> and maybe, you know, whether you're going to attract somebody else or not, whether you're ready for that is something different, but just in terms of improving yourself. So um I think that's a good one. And I think a good, along those lines is they were talking about like activities and events. Right. So yeah. I think it's important, like if people, when people experience like breakups and stuff like that, that they immerse themselves in different like crowds and different yeah. people, you know what I mean? Um Not only to just meet, I'm not even implying that like a romantic relationship has to come out of it. But um again, you're going through a different experience, improving yourself and, and for, for all you, you
0: know, you better be my you. You know what I mean? At
1: um, yeah, right.
0: And couples like
1: that. What I, what I, um, always it, not that they always, but, but
0: you good? Yeah, no, it was breaking. It was breaking up a little bit. Yeah,
1: little live. Yeah, go ahead. guy?
0: So what I was thinking, Nate, they kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but it was like lessons that you learned from from the breakup. But it was like changing how you want to approach dating. And so I I wanted to expand on that is like kind of acknowledging the part that you play. Right. What's your responsibility now outside of like you being in an abusive relationship where, you know, there's no there's no rationale, no excuse for that out of safety. I mean. It's also looking at, okay, what part in this did you play, right? Because we were, all, we're all evolving, right? And nobody's right. perfect in any relationship, despite what we think, right? right. It is looking at, okay, well, what
1: every, part? Every time somebody broke up with me, I deserved it.
0: Hey, I hey, man, it. hey, bro. I, I'm, I deserved it. You, all you, man. Right, listen, man. Yo, listen, man. I you, you preaching.
1: Like, I, I, I was a jerk. I deserved
0: it. You, you know. Hey, man. Listen, bro. Listen. I, I. You preaching to the to the choir on this one, bro. <laughs> listen. I, I experienced the brink of all breakers. I'm a divorcee. Okay. So, listen. I, you know, when that self reflection so you know. came in, I was just like, damn, yeah, she did the right thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yo, man. Like, listen. I'm not. I'm, I'm not making light of it. But it goes to what we're saying, right? Right. What what I was saying earlier, like the fact that I can laugh now, look back at those experiences and laugh, right? It's because you build up on them. You know what I mean? So hopefully you're not making the same mistakes that when you was 20, you know, at at 30 and 40, you know what I mean? Um, So like you said, like dating differently. And, And unfortunately,
0: my humble opinion, I'm not
1: a dating expert or anything like, but I think, you know, a lot of individuals will will make mistakes when it comes to choosing partners, right? Because number one, they don't, they're not comfortable by themselves, right? So after that breakup, do you take time to do some some self-evaluation? Because at the end of the day, there's a reason why that person rejected you, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be me, you, or anybody else. So if you want to put it all on them and say, yeah, they missed out on a good thing, then go ahead, you know, but if it starts becoming a pattern, man or woman, where everybody's missing out on this good thing, you know, and it's a good thing, then maybe you need to, there's some things that, you know, we all, you know, probably, you know, some edges, we all need to smooth out, you know what I mean? So in that sense of how you approach dating and how you interact with other people, that's why, that's why I'm saying, people should kind of look at dating as more of an experience and not put it all into, you know, one person. Exactly. You know I mean?
0: so, yeah. Definitely working on yourself. And like you said, what part of it so, did you play? And like you said, switching up your approach, you know, um, <laughs> we talked about this one again, uh, earlier the replacing the why questions with the how or what questions. And so, exactly. So taking a step back and looking at right. it and saying, for example, you know, how did X and Y happen or what did I notice when ABC occurred, right? So as opposed to saying, you know, why, why this, why me, all those different things, it's like reframing it and saying the why is like, okay, how did this happen? And, and what led to X, Y, and Z? So just kind of taking a step back and reevaluating things um, and and rechecking those questioning, you know, because why, why get you in that area where you feel stuck again, right? You continue to ask why, now you're, you're continuing to spin your wheels, and it, it puts you in that 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 engaging and wondering phrase, you know what I mean? Right.
1: And, it, and it's not a it's not really an action kind of thing. How is it an action? Right? how am I gonna get out of this? And where am I going from there? exactly? You know, the why is just kind of like you're gonna wallow in that why. Yeah,
0: man, you're, you're, wow, you're gonna you get know? you get stuck in that, but that's quicksand. Right.
1: And 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 you know, the reality of the fact is it's just like we you know, we tell kids or you know, like you can't you let somebody say something to you and ruin ruin your day. And what they down the hallway already. And you, you right here, you know, ruminating about what happened. You know what I mean? So not, we're not trying to dismiss it and say like, you know, obviously people invest emotionally into relationships. So I'm not saying that you could just turn the, the, the page, but it's more about taking, taking some time afterwards, you know, so that you can answer those questions in time you know, before you jump into something else, you know, that goes for, for, for guys and, and uh, females, you know?
0: Absolutely. And the next one was schedule rumination time. That's the last one. And you know, I get it. It's, you know, it's kind of creating a space, kind of creating a time for you to ruminate. My, my, my thing about this um, is that I feel like some people it's, it's, you're you're, you're going to go, you're going to go into that deep hole, right? Like if you say like, oh, I'm only going to schedule 15, 20 minutes to dwell and ruminate on this, that 15, 20 minutes is going to turn into an hour right now. Yeah. It's different. Like if you're doing an activity, like say you're working out, you're on the treadmill you're going for your walk. And that's when a lot of the thoughts come back. All right, cool. You're doing it during that particular time. You know, I just feel like some people may lose that balance of just kind of having it at one particular time. Like, It's a difference between like understanding that you're gonna experience these thoughts and feelings after the breakup, and then sometimes like, all right, I'm I'm gonna have a space or a time for it, but you don't want to do that too often. That's my kind of my reservation with the scheduling time with is that you don't want to be like, you know what, every every day at two o'clock, I'm gonna schedule my 15 minutes of rumination time over this relationship. It's like, nah, that's that's not healthy. So, yeah, I I get where were the, the, the theory behind this i'm just a little ooh, yeah mm, on that I, one a i bit. get the theory behind
1: it i get the theory behind it but i don't buy it um it seems like kind of like a ripoff of how to manage worry like a strategy to manage worry right like yeah. make a worry list or something like that so i i get the theory behind it so you, you know what i mean i get why they threw it in you know but um practically it makes no sense to me yeah. um and people, it's not rumination, but people are gonna get their emotional expression out over their iPhone complaining about that person to their mother, to their homeboy, to their to to you know, to whoever. So scheduling time for rumination this is pointless. Like you, you know what I mean? Like it's not, not your... very
0: feasible. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so uh there you go. Um and keeping Staying with relationships, uh, article that came across my desk that I thought was um was interesting was how to stop being a people pleaser and learn to say no. Right. And the reason why this jumped off the page for me is that um that's one of the most difficult things that I see a lot of people struggle with. Um and it seems easy for people to say no, but it's not. Um, you know, a lot of people, you'll get that last minute text from one of your friends that, yo, can you pick me up um, and take me to the store or, t- or drop me off? And before you know it, you said yes. And the person's hopping in your car or like somebody hits you up and say, yo, come, come out with us to the happy hour to so-and-so is it's, it's their birthday? You know, this is all pre-COVID, of course. Um, you know, you get that text and then, you know, you respond immediately. Yo, I'm, I'm there, let me know. And, and then when you really, your, your original plan was to go home and just chill and watch TV. Right. right. So, You know, if this is happening more and more frequently, then, you know, you you may be in that realm um, as a as a people pleaser. And um, that's something that we know when I saw this article, you know, again, it's people having difficulties saying no. Right. Incorporating boundaries. And a lot of people, unfortunately, it can really come at a severe expense of your health if you're always saying yes to people. And so, you know, it it can become, it can develop into a a very serious detrimental problem.
1: I mean, I listen, I'm like, I I don't really classify myself as one of these people. So I'm kind of looking from the outside in. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it depends on what role. Right. You know what I mean? As a graduate student, as a student, as an intern, I'm definitely a people pleaser because I'm trying to get. High marks.
0: I, mean, I need, need out. We you know need hours,
1: what I mean? Joe. <laughs> Right. We need hours. You know what I mean? But in general, no. I, you know, I can say no. But when I read read this article, I was thinking about some of the people I work with, right? And um listen, man, um, and especially like a lot of the hardworking people that are like the support staff that we work with, and just how you know everybody has a different style. So how some people will lean on them you know what i mean for things that you know they they should they they really could do on their own you know what i mean like I, i'm not asking somebody to staple something that i could staple myself respectfully right. you know what i mean cuz i've been in a, in a position as a graduate assistant where i had to staple 200 things you know what i'm saying i had somebody stopping by my office that had nothing to do you know what i mean i say yeah jason here go do this you know what i mean just just because i was there you were there right so so again I'm just saying I understand what it feels like to be in that position where kind of making the people, especially that that are that are kind of higher than you in position, happy is is kind of part of your job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Unofficially, officially. And yo, uh, to get to the point, like. It, the people that confide in you, like they go through a lot of stress. Like a lot of stress, like pulling out your hair, stress, not coming to work, wanting to come to work, stress, blistered stress. And work should not do that to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, So, again, I've seen the effects of it, you know, um, and, you know, I've experienced it in a certain position. um, But, you know, it's it's one of these things.
0: It's always been one of those things where and when I thought about this, uh, I was thinking of especially like, you know, some some people that I know, and then also like clients that when you, you know, you read their charts or you see people they get themselves in these really not so great situations, right? Where you kind of question their decision making and they're like, Oh, well, I had to pick up this for my cousin and then this happened, or I got pulled and you're looking at the decision like, Well, why didn't you just say no? Right. And The part of the article that stuck out to me was that it looked at it like, well, a lot of people that tend to exhibit this behavior or or have experienced a lot of dysfunctional environments where trauma or abuse may have occurred. And, you know, it was an adaptive strategy for that time. So that kind of, for me, wasn't even... I turn that people pleaser kind of into a people of like a peacekeeping right because if you're in that environment you're saying yes to keep the peace right whether it be physical or emotional whatever the type of abusive situation is and because that became the learned response and you just got used to saying yes all the time now you, you no longer need that strategy but now it's become a peacekeeping tool because of like some of the things that you're you're afraid of if people do say no because of what you've experienced when people said no maybe in the past. So you know the thing I think a lot of people run into unfortunately is that when you're used to always saying yes to people, you know you, you run a high probability of being taken advantage of. Right? right. Because people know who exactly to go to because they know they're always going to say yes right you always wonder, right people always want oh the person always comes to me why are you always why do they always ask me they're going to you because they know you're going to say yes like they people know right. who exactly who to go to to go last minute oh, I, you know what so-and-so will pick me up like i know yeah. they'll they'll drop all and such and so that's when it becomes a problem like you were saying like that's when it becomes a situation where you know it's it's at your expense your health is starting to decline. You're getting pulled in so many different directions because you're used to saying yes. And unfortunately, even family members like family know what cousin to call. They know what, what sibling or whoever is always going to say yes more than likely. And, and that's when it turns into an issue.
1: Family, family is the best at it. Oh yeah. You know, um, one thing, I mean, again, like some of these tips, you know, I mean they were fairly straightforward. I mean, I, I don't really I'm not going to say they were ineffective because they were correct, but implementing them is going to be difficult. But one thing I think that people could benefit from is the one where they say consider like more of why you say yes. Right. And it goes yeah. into the explanation like you were saying. Right. Um, because I I think for a lot of people, you know, just kind of that education of that aha moment or making that connection between like you know, why they have like some of these characteristics in terms of interactions with other people would empower them enough to say no, a certain situation. You know what I mean? Like if, if somebody actually got it, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes, because, you know, in this other situation, well, I do that more often because in this other situation, you know, um, I, you know, I was doing this so I could be seen in a positive light, you know, or, you know, and that provided me with safety and security or whatever, in whatever way, you know what I mean? But once once somebody accepts that and understands that then i think it's easier for them to say no to their boss right because because that's a whole different situation you know what i mean um i think it'll be easier for individuals to apply so i i like that to you know um, consider more of why you say
0: yeah the self-awareness part is key in a lot of this because like yeah like you mentioned why are you saying yes? Like, are you doing this? Because is it coming from a genuine place? Like a lot of people say yes, out of guilt, because it's a situation where, oh, well, you know, maybe you didn't have a great relationship, whether it's like you like you said, your family, Maybe you had bad relationship beforehand or it's one of your parents or your uncles and you don't want to be looked at as being disrespectful or you don't want to be looked at as whatever negative. light. So, like, is this a genuine? Yes. Like, do you have other things to do or did you already have plans and you're saying yes out of guilt? Right. Or is it a situation where it's like you're doing it because you want this person to do something for you later? That's not really a genuine yes. So taking that step back and saying, yeah, why why am I saying yes to this? Right. What's what's genuine about this? And the other one I like is that some people are so quick to say yes. Like, it's okay for you to, you know, take a step back and say, you know, let me think about it or let me get back to you. Right. Right. I think that's something that right. can be incorporated is like, ah, let me check my schedule. Ah, let me see, let me text you back. Or I'll, I'll I'll let you know. And maybe that'll give you some time to kind of be like, well, nah, you know what? No, nah, I'm, I'm not going to go through with it. So, but a lot of people are so quick to given that, that pressured yes. And then now you find yourself in circumstances. So definitely um, putting boundaries in, you know, incorporating boundaries and it starts with no, the more you kind of practice saying no, um and not having those thoughts right if i say no to somebody what are they gonna think of me because i think that's something else that kind of contributes to people always saying yes and you know and i've always told some of my clients if you say no the person is not gonna like x you out of their life right Right. i guarantee you they'll come back the next time and ask you again so they may be upset with you temporarily because it's inconvenient for them, and so that's I'm always thinking and telling them: you saying you putting yourself as a priority is good. You're just making it inconvenient for them, which is they're not going to be happy with. But don't worry, they'll come back around. They'll they'll ask you another question again, or they'll ask you for something later.
1: Right. I mean, but it's a it's about having that confidence to kind of kind of implement that and, and and actually do that, you know. Um,
0: yeah. So, yeah. So, but it comes with practice, like you said, you know, gaining that practice of saying no. And, you know, practice makes perfect with that, but absolutely, you know, people, uh, especially in this day and age is got to protect yourself. You have to be selfish. Your priorities have to come first because I don't know how are you going to help other people if you're overextending yourselves and then you're making yourself sick out of it. So, you know, um, so boundaries, and th- that's something that's always an ongoing thing with people. So you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, yeah. Anything else come across the desk
1: your way? No, that's about it. Um, you know, uh that's about it for this week. Just uh again, we want to thank everybody for listening. Um, encourage everybody to leave comments, you know. Um, please subscribe if you haven't. Um, and again, we you know appreciate the time. And you already know, bro. You know what I mean? I'm about to get back to the grind
0: yes sir yeah so uh yeah listen subscribe comment watch um again we're on all podcast platforms um so continue to look out for us we appreciate everybody's support and your feedback and um appreciate everybody being here so signing off dr j talk to you soon bro all
1: right bro no doubt all right